When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to a weekend edition here at Tailbar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and a stirring Damon Barr. Hey, smile. A week away. One week away. It's Nebraska. It is Ohio State. How about it? Can't wait for it. Uh, we will uh, get you... Loaded up. Plenty of uh, Nebraska talk here this morning on Hale Varsity Radio. Weekend edition presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You can join us this morning, 466 466-37-76-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. At Mark Skurs for Mr. Mark Cranach and at Damon Barr. That's two R's. For Damon, and he has just one handle of rum this morning. It's cutting back. I about spilled coffee all over the station computer. That would have put me buried somewhere. So we will uh, reset <laughs> and uh, get to it. So in the show, in about uh, 25 minutes, we will rewind with BTN's Rick Pizzo, get Rick's thoughts on Nebraska's quarterback situation and what steps can be taken this year for the Big Red in a wacky year three with with COVID. We'll dive into what the depth chart could look like for Nebraska. And honestly, if Nebraska would even release a depth chart on Monday, as game week is here, and we'll hear from Coach Frost and different players, you know, uh, from a gamesmanship standpoint, leave them guessing man leave them guessing who's going to be starting you know some of the usual suspects in the secondary with this muke uh and and williams likely at safety of course and of course boodle and jojo and stilly and uh colin miller and uh honus i mean you, you know some of the seniors that are on the squad but as far as you're you're rounding out at, at quarterback and Omar Manning questions, all of that. Leave Ohio State guessing. Good luck. God bless trying to prepare. You kind of know what you're going to get with who's back at Ohio State. And it's all about fields and that monster offensive line. So can join us at 466-377-6800-825-5865. Can email chris at hailvarsity.com. So just some quick thoughts on the, the two main questions that dominated this week, uh, the quarterback competition and uh, Omar Manning. Uh, first and foremost at quarterback, uh, I think Mike Babcock nailed it earlier this week when it comes to whose job 
and and this competition. And uh, I, I I stand next to Babbers with the thought that you're going to go into Columbus a week from today with a guy who has played Ohio State twice, a guy who's played Ohio State really, really well as a true freshman in Adrian Martinez and almost pulled off uh, an incredible victory. 36-31 was uh, what Nebraska lost to Ohio State. That was the margin in 18. And Nebraska had a couple of turnovers. Nebraska had a couple of plays they they didn't make on offense. And you saw the defense uh, do just enough with a couple of forced turnovers in that second half, right? With the strip and recovery uh, by Gifford, uh, who's now with the Cowboys. And, of course, the strip sack by JoJo Doman off of an edge blitz. So uh, last year was last year. But I think you're going to go into Columbus. You're going to see uh, Adrian Martinez with uh, an offensive line that can do some work. How much work will be done? What's going to be the outcome? We, we've got a week to, to parse through that. The line's minus 21 and a half right now. I know that uh, for in favor of Ohio State. But uh, don't be surprised if you see McCaffrey. That's not just ultimately obvious but how much will you see both of them on the field together I think that's the way you go about this and uh, you let Adrian do his work and uh, let's see where he's at let's see what he can do now when it comes to Omar Manning uh, the the word we have gotten uh, about Omar is this Uh, it sounds like he's been back with the team uh, this week which is great and uh, when it comes to doing team team activities, <clears throat> excuse me, that would, to me, I would think meetings being at practice, but maybe not practicing. And uh, I think they're a little cautious to do that. Uh, we don't know to the extent of, of how dinged he's been. What we do know is that he's just missed time. So if you got a guy that's uh, been dealing with some stuff and he's not been on the practice field, is it really fair to put him in position as, as phenomenal of, a, as, of an athlete as he is to say, hey, go out there against Ohio State and play like you know what you're, you're, you're doing and, and play like you've had 600 reps? Because that hadn't been the case. you got to put your guys in the best position to succeed. And that is done through practice. That is done through their understanding of, of the offense, their role, their job. How do they help the team as one of the 11 on the offensive side of the football? And, you know, what, what can you go do and what can you go do and help Nebraska? Right now, uh, Omar Manning is a guy that's just trying to get caught up, it sounds like, because of some of the missed time. If you're not ready to play, the other side of this, too, with we don't have an official word yet on travel roster size for road game. Does Nebraska get 70 uh, kids to be able to go like in years past? Is it a little more increased? Is it 80? I mean, that's that's probably the, the, the window, somewhere between 70 and 80, maybe 74 or 75. But you'll need all hands on deck in Columbus. And if Omar's a guy that's not going to play, you probably don't take him. So uh, I think the, the overall take on this is there's just been too much time missed to ask him to come in and contribute in Columbus against that team 
in week one. And think about it from a quarterback standpoint, right? It's already been a, a hell of a year uh, when it comes to being able to do any work together. Not that work hasn't been done, but we, we know the springtime's been gone. We know that, that the, the camp time has been extended, but that time to gel with and get some chemistry is vital, and it, it's been really hit or miss, I would say, in the instance of Omar Manning and what's his chemistry like right now with, with Adrian or Luke. Uh, it, it's not a, an indictment on, on the wideout or the, or the quarterback, but it's just the reality is how much, how much work's been done and how deep can he go in the playbook right now? So I don't think it'd be wise to expect Omar next week. And, and you've heard Sip say that. You've heard Mitch Sherman say that. So I think that's, that's, that's fair to say this morning, a week away from Nebraska and Ohio State. So with, with Omar probably not uh, part of the equation here, uh, let's talk about other wide receivers. Uh, you've heard uh, nothing but but grave reviews from Cade Warner. Uh, I love hearing from him earlier this week just the work he's done with uh, football watch parties. You want to talk about uh, – be, remember being in school. Why am I doing this? Am I ever going to use this in my real everyday life? Right? I, I tried to throw that argument out to mom and dad a lot, and they just said, shut up and do your work, and, and, I, and I tried. When you're watching Monday night or Thursday night football and you got uh, snacks and a house party rocking, <laughs> um, not party, but you know what I mean, a little gathering that's safe, clearly, but they're, they're applying what they see in the NFL. How does it work with what Nebraska's offense is doing? And, and here's what you see the pros doing. Um, they just would break stuff down. It's pretty cool. So at wide receiver... Uh, you've got some of the young pups that can maybe make some strides. Betts sounds like he's had a good couple of last weeks from Coach Lubick, his position coach at wide receiver and the offensive coordinator. So if if I'm Nebraska and I got a, a freak athlete that is really, really talented and, and tough to cover, but may be so new to things that it isn't fair to ask him to know everything. Uh, I sure as hell know that with his size and speed and ability to go up, red zone-wise, there, there could be some some plays and packages for him that he has gotten down. No one's seen it, right? There's no film. So uh, what, what type of an impact can Betts make? You, you obviously don't lean on him as your number one receiver, going into Columbus, but you, you feel pretty comfortable with Warner. And let, let's get into the tight ends, too, because if if you've got Warner and you got Wandale, who's going to be the other piece of this passing offense for Nebraska? To me, it's got to be your tight ends, and, and, and you've got Stoll the senior. You've got Austin Allen that has really had a, 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 an awakening, and it sounds like he's going to be pretty vital uh, as an option to the Nebraska offense in this tight end spot. Austin Allen had one of his better games against Ohio State a couple of years ago just because he's big and strong and fast, and he's six seven. He blocks the sun. And then, uh, of course, Vokalek is a guy. Uh, so you have three tight end options along with Wandale, along with Warner, and uh, we'll see where Nebraska can go there. Uh, running back, Mills is... A guy that is 
uh, hungry and talented, and he is ready to have an explosive senior season. You know what he can do. You know how he finished the year. You know how well he ran against Bucky, the Badgers. Let's see if he can re uh, reenact that next week against Ohio State. But a guy that has been getting more and more praise, and you've heard about his perseverance, is Ronald Tompkins. I think uh, from a pitch count standpoint, that's been – uh, underlined, circled, and it's bold print right now. You got to watch his pitch count. That said, if if he's healthy and running well in practice, if he's had a good, very, you know, very good fall camp, you know, I I would not be surprised to see more of Tompkins in a week. Things continuing throughout game week and prep, it'd be interesting to see uh, if if Tompkins has made enough progress turned enough heads uh, because of his skill set to get more number two carries. Because that's been the question. Who's going to be the guy behind uh, Mills? And and you got Ramir Johnson that's gotten a little bit bigger, and he's got just game, game-changing game speed. But Tompkins is that dude that has de- he's, he's dealt with left knee injury, right knee injury, and another same knee issue. So – if uh, if you got a guy like Ronald Tompkins and this comeback story, this would be uh, fantastic. And look for Tompkins. We've not really seen much of any of him, right? We've seen highlights of his high school film, and then junior year got hurt, senior year got hurt. Nebraska stayed with him. He has rehabbed. He's busted his butt. And it'd be cool to see Tompkins maybe be a difference maker in this Nebraska, Nebraska rushing attack. Um a few more thoughts here. It sounds like progress has been uh, continued to be made by Bryce Benhart. With Benhart, you're wondering what's what's it going to be like for him. Got a little bit of time and a cup of coffee last year w- within the red shirt rules, which is nice. Uh, that said, you know, is he ready to go? It sounds like things have progressed to the point where Nebraska's very comfortable and, and Benhart's very comfortable at right tackle. So think about that offensive line you have going into Columbus with Hymas and Wilson and, of course, uh, Cam at center. Uh, and then you get Farniok at right guard. And then and then Ben Hart, good to go, with that senior experience next to him in Farniok at guard. Rotation-wise, defensive line is – you got six names and six names that are – uh, are familiar, and, and you're looking for some splash. You're looking for some power. You're looking for some ability to, to be better against the run and the vaunted Big Ten. But Stilly and Damian Snacks Daniels and Ty Robinson are your three to look for uh, with DeAndre Thomas and Casey Rogers and Keem Green. And I think Keem Green's uh, really going to have a chance to impress this year. Uh, outside linebackers, still a question uh, with. Uh, Caleb Tanner, uh, and uh, where where can he make a jump as a junior? You like Garrett Nelson's motor and JoJo, uh, and just kind of reading into and listening to Coach Chinander's comments this week with JoJo. I mean, JoJo, is, as Chinander said, can be as good as he wants to be. So you know that JoJo's there to go make plays. You know JoJo's a, a dude that's super athletic and, and can be big time for you at very different levels. He can cover, he can he can rush the quarterback, and he can stop the run. He is an athlete that can get sideline to sideline for you, which is nice. It just kind of comes down to assignment sound. 
does the defense bust because you gamble. And all it takes is one wrong step, one moment out of position. I remember, and it wasn't just JoJo, but just from a contained standpoint, remember the Purdue game, how painful that bastard was, uh, if you're a Nebraska fan, where misdirection is what got Nebraska beat in that game. Uh, The quarterback run game, yeah, I just said it, the quarterback run game by Purdue in the second half was the adjustment they made. And it was the edge that did not contain the quarterback. That was their responsibility. And then on that that fateful reverse play uh, that went up, that that allowed Purdue to go up and score the go-ahead and and game-sealing touchdown, that was... That was an assignment thing by the by some of the outside linebackers. Uh, Henrich is is interesting because uh, he he is just too good an athlete. He's healthy now to not have on the field. And if you're if you're loaded up at middle linebacker with a Honus and Rymers and Colin Miller kind of triumvirate, it's okay to to just find a way to get to get Nick on the field, and that could be an outside linebacker spot. Uh, Feldarius Payne. It'll be nice to see his athleticism where he can go with things. And uh, the the reality is, and and you've had Shenander talk about this too. Just just the reality of of where JUCO kids are are at. Some are able to come in and contribute because they get it down. Some are still trying to get things figured out. And I think you're going to have a guy like Nico Cooper that it, as the season rolls forward will be a major asset. I don't know that he's ready to go uh, when it comes to getting things down uh, as of yet. Uh, Miles Farmer, Nadab Joseph, Lynam, and Noah Pola Gates, those guys are are, are doing well. You'll see them uh, involved in, in special teams. Uh, the the part of the nickel that, that's being battled for is, is uh, Farmer and Lynam to push for that. Um, at kicker, uh, just real quick before we uh, take a quick timeout, uh, you have Cherney, our friend from Australia, may have gotten nicked up this week. So Pristrop might be the guy kicking the ball, and there's still uh, no decision yet on who's doing the field goals between Culp and uh, Tyler Crawford. So with Cherney, that's that's tough news if if he's dinged kicking. You know what, Mr. Miyagi could roll in next week and get him healed. But right now it looks like Pristop could be the guy kicking the football. We'll uh, move forward, and uh, there's a little rundown, a little camp news as Nebraska gets ready for Ohio State. One week from today, Brandon Vogel going to join us here in uh, less than an hour. Gary Sharp will be with us. And uh, we'll rewind next. It's Rick Pizzo. It's Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We say hi to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet at BTN, Rick Pizzo. Mr. Rick, it's been a while, man. How you doing? Chris, life is good, my friend. We are inside two weeks until we see real football on the field inside the Big Ten. I think it's kind of hysterical that the league has just been sitting by kind of watching all this carnage 
over the first three weeks. I mean, we're wondering right now, is anybody actually good? I guess we know Clemson's really good and Alabama's offense is really good. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I'm not sure what we really know about the world of college football. And we're, you know, a week and a half into October already. Carnage is is the word, man. That's that best describes my putting uh, on on Saturday, and uh, <laughs> best describes defenses around college football. So let me start there before we dive into some Nebraska. Will Big Ten defenses be different here, less than two weeks from now? Uh, are they going to be still giving up point, points by the boatload because that's just how it is in twenty twenty or? Will they be a little bit more locked down, sufficient, or efficient uh, when it comes to, to taking on one another? You know, it's interesting because obviously college football has changed a lot over the past 10, 15 years with the advent of first the RPO and the spread and these quarterbacks that can do so many things. And it seems like every time the defense catches up over the last 10 years, the offense finds a new wrinkle or something different. I mean, you look at Gary Patterson is the great example, right? He mm-hmm. built his program and he built his name on defense. But TCU didn't become really good, a national name, until they also found some really good offensive guys and Andy Dalton who could lead them to a lot of points. And that happened throughout all of college football. And it happened to the Big Ten a little bit later, I think, than some other conferences just because – I think the league recruited for defense so much more for so long, understanding that you had to have great defenses to win. Now, as all these teams also start to become more dynamic offensively, there is so much pressure put on defensive coordinators to find solutions. So to answer your question, I think the Big Ten defenses will be better than many of the defenses that you've seen this year so far, certainly from the Big 12. I still think a lot better than many of the teams in the SEC. Alabama's a perfect example. I mean, their offense is great. Where is their defense right now? But I don't think you can rely on defense as much today as you could five, ten years ago. You have to score points to win in college football. That's all there is to it. You've got to win situationally, right? You've got to be good in the red zone. Right. You've got to be good on third down defensively. And you got to get after the quarterback, numbers. right? And and that's that's it. And I look at that evolution with the Big Ten. I think of Kevin Wilson and and just how high flying those Indiana offenses were. I think of Urban and just how much raw power, but explosiveness that existed with the Ohio State teams when he was there, and and even with with Tressel and and of course uh, now with Day, uh, James Franklin's. Man, with McSorley, they were a party to watch. Uh, Penn State was great, yep, and, and then Saquon Barkley. I mean, yeah. Saquon Barkley. I mean, they had a ton of talent. They did, and then Durkin before he was uh, let go. I mean, that Maryland team was scoring boatloads of points. So it's a different Big Ten. Let's shift to Nebraska. And uh, Scott Frost had his Zoom presser today, and the the competition remains fluid here between Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey. Does that surprise you that there's not a a leader in the quarterback room yet? It does not. I think you and I spoke about this at the end Mm -hmm. of last year. I got to see McCaffrey in flashes. I think he was outstanding in trying to bring Nebraska back in that loss to Indiana when a couple of quarterbacks, Martinez, I don't believe he even dressed for that game. And if he did, he played, he did not play. And then Bedrill got hurt as well in that game. And, saw McCaffrey come in and do some terrific things. And I think at the end of the day in week one, it's probably still Adrian's job, but I don't think this is a situation, Chris, where it's even 
McCaffrey just has some packages. You know, I think he is in there for legitimate amounts of series. This is not just a he's in there to run two or three plays. This is not a Taysom Hill with the Saints type of situation. It's just not going to be that way. He has too much raw talent, and Adrian has made too many mistakes. Now, if we see Martinez play in the first couple of weeks, taking 80% of the snaps, and playing with the explosiveness and the fearlessness that he played with in his first year without making the mistakes that he made in year two, then maybe I see this in a different way. But uh, I, I'm going to stop short of saying it's a two-quarterback system when we start the season for Nebraska, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was something very close to that. Rick Pizos with his Big Ten Buffet, Hale Varsity Radio. Have you had conversations with Urban uh, about that or just other coaches? Because – it's a great problem to have, except it's 2020, and uh, you have the the spot of all spots is quarterback, and everyone transfers, right? So, I mean, you want to yep. you want to keep that quarterback room uh, healthy and full. That said, uh, any anything come to your mind in past conversations with coaches about dealing? It, it's a great problem, but also managing that that quarterback, that starter, but also the guy that can can give you a spark and you want to lean on as well if, if he ends up beating up an incumbent out. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that you actually mentioned Urban at the beginning of that question because obviously when we look back to his days at Florida, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just Tim Tebow. Everybody forgets that Chris Leak. I mean, this was a split-time situation, right? And, and then Tebow became Urban's guy. And, you know, J.T. Barrett, when J.T. Barrett took over, he only took over late in the year because of a serious injury. And and then Barrett becomes Urban's guy, right? And, and I think that Urban was one of those coaches who understood the need for a change of pace, but he did it with play calling. And yet at the end of the day, he wanted a guy under center. And this is why JT Barrett took so much criticism, even for all the games that he won. Everybody was calling for the backup, and is Barrett the right guy? And we want Cardale Jones instead. Urban trusted JT Barrett on third and short, to get the first down each and every time. And when it comes down to it for head coaches, it is not about the quarterback with the best arm. It is not about the quarterback with the best speed. It is about the quarterback who in those crucial situations in the biggest games picks up the one yard they need, whether it's on the ground, whether it's finding the receiver on a little comeback. They don't care about the guys that throw those 80-yard bombs. Those are nice, but you do those usually in blowout games. They care about the guys who, in those moments, pick up the tough yards. And that's why I think if you ask 90% of the coaches, they would tell you, I just want one guy who I trust each and every Saturday. Fair point. And, and that takes a while to, to gain that trust. And we've seen great moments from Adrian. We've seen a, a dinged Adrian. And I think you nailed it earlier uh, with the the fearlessness. Does he play fearless? Does he play free? Do we see an Adrian that we saw glimpses of? As you look at Nebraska, Rick, and we'll get more in-depth with it here the closer to Ohio State we get, but you know, what, what is an expectation you have for Nebraska here in 2020? I don't need a win number, but just a look. You've seen this team a lot. Yeah, it, it has to be a situation, Chris, where we are not into the middle of November where it's not even Thanksgiving yet and we're starting to talk about next year. That's what can't happen, right? 
You cannot be in a situation where you've played five or six games. I don't care how difficult the schedule is at the start. And it's brutal. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm not making any – there's, there's no argument to be made against the fact that Nebraska's first four games are as hard as any four games to start the season that any team in the country, not just the Big Ten, will play this year. There's no doubt about it. But you can't be in a situation where five to six weeks in, you're already starting to get ready for 2021. Because there's been too much of that over the past 15 years. That just can't happen. You need to find a way, the Northwestern game, who knows with the Penn State game, what exactly is Wisconsin this year with an unproven quarterback? I mean, you need to find a way to split those games. You really do. And I know that's a tough ask. I know it is. But if you can split those games and win your next two and you're suddenly sitting at four and two with three to play, and we have a lot of positives to talk about. You go out and spit the bit and lose four straight or even go one and three, and then you're in a situation where you're playing in week five and you're in a must-win. That's what can't happen this year for Nebraska. You have to believe that 2020 can be something special throughout all of 2020. The time to look forward and say next year's our year, that time is over. Rick Pizzo's with us. Big Ten Buffet, Hail Varsity Radio at BTN. Rick Pizzo. And you're right. There's been a lot of, well, let's check into next year or where's this team going to be at. There's been moments where it's come down to a play or a defensive call or a field goal or go down the list here in some close games. What's What's been the, the biggest thing that sticks out to you about Nebraska in close games? I know they've not won many of them. But overall, as you look at the program, what have you noticed? Have they been moving towards kind of turning that fortune around? Yeah, I did think I saw signs last year, Chris. And as you know, I ended up just by luck of the draw covering a ton of Nebraska Mm -hmm. games on sidelines last year. And I thought that even though they weren't able to close out those games on many occasions, there were a bunch of times where I saw things and I saw belief in players that I hadn't seen in the past. I saw Nebraska losing those games because of mistakes in execution, but not because guys were being mentally tired or physically tired. I felt like physically they were much closer to where they needed to be, and that's going to be really important this year with nine straight weeks, no bye weeks. Who knows what you're going to be able to do from a training camp situation over the next 11 days and also what you do when you get into camp with all the COVID restrictions and if you're playing extra time because somebody on your team has to be placed in those COVID quarantines or contract tracing protocol restrictions. So this is going to be a grind. And I saw last year Nebraska make that physical step forward. This year it's about making the execution step forward. Now you're in shape to do it. Now you know you can do it. This is the year that you have to show me you are actually able to do it when it matters in the fourth quarter. Rick, a thought on Nebraska and Iowa continuing through uh, COVID-2020, their Black Friday rendezvous. What do you think of that happening for Nebraska? It was supposed to be Minnesota-Nebraska the day after Thanksgiving. I should say the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I love it. I think it's absolutely – I think that's the way it should be. I I mean, listen – I respect what the Big Ten is trying to do here is keep as many traditions as possible in a non-traditional year. And no, it is not the end of the year. And no, it is not exactly what we would expect in a normal year. But holy cow, Chris. I mean, what has been normal in 2020? Nothing. I mean, I'm a guy who is a glass half full and I enjoy every day of my life and I find something positive. And I, 
as much as I'm looking forward to football, uh, just like everybody else in the world right now, I'm looking forward to January 1, 2021, because <laughs> next year's got to be better, right? So the Big Ten is doing everything it can in its power right now to appeal to the fans who believe in tradition and who understand how important tradition is inside the Big Ten in a year that is as untraditional as any year we've ever experienced in our lifetime. Let's touch on the TV side of things. You know that well. You host a number of shows with BTN. You do sidelines. I mean, you're all over it. And I really like the way things have rolled out. I mean, Nebraska's got Black Friday. Nebraska's opening up with a great audience, potentially, with Ohio State on, on Big Noon Kickoff with Fox. But also just the BTN slate, man. I mean, there's some really impressive games. And Minnesota's kind of cornered the Friday night market. I, there was some talk about Friday night games. There have been some Friday night games. But uh, you know what? There's a pretty good showcase opportunity for Fleck and company up there. Yeah, there really is. And listen, let me address the Friday nights first because I understand, you know, I totally understand the concept that many people believe in that Friday night is for high school football. And it is. But – like I just said, this is the year like no other. And with the compacted schedule and with the way that the television partners work and a lot of that inventory not being available on Saturday right now anyway, mm-hmm. there had to be other avenues. And I know every avenue was explored. I, I mean, I, I think that all their days of the week were considered as well. And that was the best spot to put the quote-unquote non-traditional games. So, yes, Minnesota has a great opportunity when they're – in a lot of situations, the only game in town, if you will. I mean, look at next weekend, right? The Big Ten season actually kicks off on Big Ten Network. We have Wisconsin-Illinois, the rematch of last year's epic upset by the Illini. It's a Friday night game at Camp Randall. It's the only power conference game that day. It's the first game of the Big Ten season. Everybody wants to see what Lovey has and Wisconsin with a new quarterback. I mean, we are really blessed. And then we had a triple header on Saturday, noon, 3.30, and prime time as well. So yeah, this, the schedule, I think television wise is going to work out really well for the big 10. I know part of it for the big 10 network. We are remarkably excited to have mm-hmm. what we have. And, uh, you know, I'm fired up to be you know, in Madison for week one and watch Wisconsin, Illinois, go around and badge and try to get some revenge last year. Rick, uh, about 20 seconds. Any thought, will the, the fans and stands be revisited after a couple of weeks or time will tell any idea? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I don't have any information, yeah. but I'll say this, that if that was revisited, I would be as shocked as anything else. I just don't think it makes any sense sure. right now, as much as fans want to go, it is about getting the student athletes out there, getting the games on television. And I think at the end of the day, the logical fans understand the reasoning behind it. Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet at BTN. Rick Pizzo is where you find him on Twitter. Rick, awesome to get caught up, man. Thanks for talking some ball. We'll do this again real soon. Hey, man, I love it. Great to catch up, Chris. Take care. Thank you. Appreciate you. Rick Pizzo with us. Big Ten Network. And uh, that was a fun chat. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Winding down this first hour, it's Hale Varsity Weekend Edition, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network. Pretty good thoughts uh, when it comes to you know Nebraska's next step. You've got uh, some guys that have been in the system for three years, offensively, defensively. Let's talk about uh, getting those 
money downs, the third down execution, making a play on third down and short in the run game. What do you get from quarterback play? Good thoughts from Pizzo. We kind of went down some uh, things as camp is winding down, and it is game week. You can find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio. Mark Cranach at, Mar- at Mark Skurs and Mr. Damon Barr at uh, Damon Barr. That's two R's for Mr. Damon. And uh, Cranach, you know, we, we are kind of enthralled by this quarterback battle, this competition. Uh, we've kind of moved on from a high expectation on Omar Manning, at least week one. And now uh, it's time to settle in and, and get ready for, for game week. And Vegas has also chimed in midweek with a, a, a line that's 21 and a half. Yeah, so that ought to go well. <laughs> Things are looking good. Uh, you know, we get so excited. What, what are we excited about exactly? Football. Getting well, it. Having it. Of course. It. But are we looking forward to a donkey stomping? Mm. I hope not. I am not. I hope that's not the case. Here's, here's my thought on that. If it happens, I won't be surprised. And okay. fair. So okay. you, you've prepared yourself for I've I've prepared myself. I've prepared myself for uh the best team in the country ticked Maybe. off and they've had to wait till the almost end of October to play. And I look at a team in Nebraska that has made some strides, but will ultimately get a very up close and personal look at where they've got to be, the level of depth and talent and execution to, to be where Ohio State is. I don't know, man. Nebraska's been lifting a lot of weight. So have I. <laughs> they've been conditioning a lot. I have so. too. <laughs> so, no, listen. Know. No, Nebraska's, fair to say, Nebraska's better equipped to take on Ohio State this year. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. But even well-equipped teams get beat by 30-plus. Sure. And, and guess, guess what? Guess what? Yeah. Nebraska could do some nice things, but this may have to go in the mile marker, journey, moral victory side of things, and I hate that at this point. I mean, listen, or, let me ask you this. Were you expecting Nebraska and Frosty to beat Ohio State in year three? Some were, but I think there's been a reinforced reality of just where the program's been at. It's it's very difficult to expect any team to beat any other team any year. What you can expect, right? Because you just never know what injury situation is going to be, fluke, bounce, uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. But you can expect... You can't expect competitiveness. You can't expect being on the field. By year three, if you if we're to rewind, if we're to go to way go to way back December twenty seventeen when the change happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think at that point we're all thinking, yeah, year three, look out Ohio State, look look out Michigan, look out Wisconsin. That's when we're that's when we're arriving. You right? need, I mean, that's brother. You need a payroll rivaling SMU to do that. Okay. Well, 
But I mean, you just I, the only guy that's done that in college football to go from, oh yeah, they they won three games last year to, hmm, how did they beat Alabama? As you freeze. Yeah. Okay. Look, I get it, but I'm just saying you expect at this point. Maybe I'll say it this way. In December of 2017, if I told you in three years, Nebraska will be 21 and a half point dogs to Ohio State. Would you have bought it then? I or could, would you have been like, I could see it. I could see it. But at the time we're talking 21 about and a half at the time we're talking about the immediate knee-jerk reaction to be that's well, that's too damn high. Scott Frost is going to come in here and Nebraska is going to be ready to rock and roll. And I think there's there is a lot of a lot of work that that is still ongoing. Right. I mean, we're, we're now just talking about a rotation of of more than maybe four guys on the defensive line you feel good about and trust. Yeah. You're now yeah, just I'm, talking I'm, about dude, body I'm not saying this too. You're now just talking about body types that cool. that can work in the Big 10. I mean, there's a Ty Robinson on the roster, right? Yeah. I no, mean, and I'm not saying this to criticize. No, 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 like, no. I know you're not. It's a, it's a fair point. It's a very fair uh, yeah. point. I'm just saying the the stark reality is is that 7 days from now we're as excited as everyone is. You are 21 and a half point. I mean, come on, man. That, that's some like, that's some 90s era Nebraska, Iowa State line. Well, right. I think that would have been 42 and a half. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends on which old Iowa State team we're talking about. Yeah, yeah um, just leave that one alone. It's too early yeah, to get people pissed but, off about 92. You get, my point. you get my point, though. I mean, that's not, you're not even in the same. You know, stratosphere right now. Here's here's the here's the thing too that's that's been reinforced to me that you've got about three or four teams in college football that are just money and deep and better than you, and they reload. And then there's everybody else. There's everybody else. It's that ten and three, nine and four. And you're talking about Iowa, Missouri, and Texas, right? I'm I'm talking about pick pick a squad that's really decent, but they're going to lose two or three games. I mean, let's let's look at who Nebraska's chasing in the West, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They have been incredible. They have put guys into the league. They they are uh, your standard at inside and outside linebacker play at in a three four, and then they can switch to a four man front. I think every human being on that roster is 6'3", 240. And, and, and to start. Right. And, and then they, they chisel them either way. Right. They, they You just said it. They chisel them because they come in like as an afterthought in the recruiting world or or maybe just kind of kind of on the radar for, for the most part. Except for the five-star offensive linemen that they sure. haul in every year. Right. And right. They, they are just flat out really good at making you get better and then you have two and a half to, to three years in your career to go ball and it's paid forward by guys that end up in the league that you're playing behind so anybody that jumps off the page by the way wisconsin as you're talking about them that's shy of contact no they like it all of them mm-hmm. right nebraska needs to get there too well, guess what? I mean, this is the start. This mm-hmm. is a this is a reaction to the Big Ten with just how 
heavy it's gone camp-wise. I mean, there's been a lot of contact in camp, and the result's been some guys getting nicked up. But it's mm-hmm. a necessary evil. Because it, I like Nebraska it's be no from joke. that standpoint for the first time in a long time. Don't you? What? I, I like Nebraska from that, just from a sheer physicality standpoint, yes. sheer willingness. The mentality. To, yeah, sheer willingness to mix it up. Sure. I think this is Nebraska's best roster for that since 2014. Very, very true. Right on. So back to your your 21 and a half point number. When Scott got here in in December, <laughs> I didn't know that then I don't know that you knew and he probably didn't know that there were some dudes on the roster that you're inheriting that weren't real probably thrilled with with doing two weeks a a ones versus ones. Yeah, I mean, when we talk culture and all that, and I know some folks glaze over when we get into that discussion point, but it's it's very yeah. much important with the ingredients here to be good in the Big Ten with with Iowa and with Wisconsin and with Ohio State and Penn State. No, man, I'm excited because let's just see where they're at. Let's see where Nebraska's at uh, out of the gate because Nebraska's prepared better than a lot of teams. I feel that way. I can say that. Now, will it look I, like I, it? I believe that, too. Will, it, will yeah. it look like it on Saturday? I don't know. Ohio State may just be that damn good. But it, yeah, can't, that's the key. it can't destroy your confidence if you're this team. This is just who you're chasing, and so is the rest of the college football world. And it goes back to what we were saying last week, too. Like, anytime you say any of this, it's not – pumping the sunshine it's not drinking the red kool-aid it's just saying this is what they're doing Mm -hmm. will it work we don't know we're not saying it'll work but i agree with you that they are as as well if not more prepared than any team in america and i really believe that last i believe that they have an advantage over other teams in terms of their off-season preparedness Mm -hmm. for this season it'll work I am confident in saying that their prep will work. We just don't know if it'll work against this team a week from Saturday. Brandon Vogel will join us. Gary Sharp's on the way, Hour 2. It's the weekend edition. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The Hail Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Hour two, great to be with you. Weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Damon Barr. We say hi to Brandon Vogel. Vogues, you geared up a week away. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, it, it's a little bit strange to think that a, a week a week from today will be will be officially game day. So, yeah, I think I'm ready. Um, it's it's been such a bizarre off season that my internal clock's all screwed up. So we'll see. Hopefully, I don't sleep through it. I know. You know you, you, the uh, the announcement yesterday of the Hail Varsity Ale or Hail Ale for short. It was great. Do we call it Hail Ale? It's Hail Ale from our friends Hail at Kincaid. Yes. On the on the can. Yeah, the partnership with Kincaid. It's awesome. But, you know, on the can, there's the varsity. I didn't know if I should sneak. Okay, so Hail Ale. A little disappointed, Brandon. Uh, I I went to Hy-Vee yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. They didn't have it. They said it comes out Sunday. 
That's when they can well, sell that's, it. Well, that's an Omaha thing, bless their heart. There was lots yeah. of it in Lincoln yesterday, especially at Wilderness Ridge. We had a hell of well, a good time. I was going to, I was going to literally have one this morning, right now, right as Brandon came on, I was going to crack it. <laughs> Instead, you've got to crack another uh, choice of alcohol to start the 8 o'clock hour like the rest of us. I'm sticking with coffee now. Uh, but it would have been a nice, I think we could have had a nice little beer breakdown. And for just for those listening, not familiar, Hail Varsity and Kincater collaborate, create a beer, beautiful artwork on the can. It's Hail Ale. Brandon, you're a you're a food and drink aficionado, and you're a hell of a descriptor. So, like a describer, I should say. <laughs> um, that's not a word. You can see why you are that, and I am not. Uh, how would you describe this 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 ale? Um, it, it's kind of the perfect. It's designed to be the, the perfect game day beer, which is not too heavy. Um, it's it's a pretty light drinking one, and as I've kind of, yeah, like a lot of people, gone through a long kind of craft beer uh, curve here. Like you, you get in some some stuff, and then you're like, okay, well, let's try all the wild stuff. And now I'm like coming down the back end where I'm like, you know, the, the simple beers that are just really well made that taste good um, are kind of where I'm at. So pilsners, lagers, things that are light. Uh, that you don't have all these candle flavors. Look, you know, I, I, I love uh, occasional pumpkin ale, all, all of that stuff. It's it's fun to to try for a little bit, but you get down to okay, let's let's just focus on the beer. Um, this beer reminds me a lot of like German uh, kind of pilsners or or um, Kolsch's in, in the way. It's it's got a really good grain character, which which I tend to like. You can drink it and taste it. It's not multi, but you can say okay, there's some. There's some grain here, so uh, quaffable, I guess, would be the term. That's, that's kind of what it's designed to be, and we're excited to uh, to get it out there. Sorry, it didn't work out for you, Mark, but you know, yeah. things get postponed right now. It's, we'll do it next week. <laughs> Part of the deal. Yeah. Nebraska corn is in it too. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 awesome. We we uh, we talked to uh, Cody uh, from Kincaider yesterday, and the the term he used, it's crushable. It's crushable. The, can, now the woman at High V yesterday. You can crush a beer. I went to pick the, when I went to pick it up. She's like, "Well, we have it." She's like, "But we can't start distributing it till Sunday because of I don't know what, like what customs from Lincoln. What? what you, why? You mean you have it here, but I can't have it. So Sunday is when it is when it goes on sale uh, up in here. Well, take, whatever a, that's take a picture. Now yeah. let's uh, let's dive in, uh, Vogues, to the quarterback situation and this competition, and let's fast forward to Monday as well from a depth chart standpoint. You know, if there's no depth chart released, I know Nebraska fans will maybe mini riot, but I could also see keeping it uh, in your back pocket if you're Coach Frost, just because. It's 2020. It's a screwy year. Good luck uh, planning Ohio State. Not that they're not good enough to, to beat a lot of teams on the schedule anyway, but why not Why not continue this gamesmanship a little bit as, as far as where things are at roster-wise and in, in, uh, in too deep? I'm all right with it. L- let them keep guessing the quarterback thing. Yeah, uh, I guess quarterback would be the, the key one. Otherwise, I don't know how worried Ohio State is about 
who the third string uh, right tackle is. You know, it, it, the depth, depth chart thing is always interesting because I think Frost, like like most coaches, is like, man, I just wish I didn't have to do this. And, you know, and, and some people, as we've seen with, with Jim Harbaugh, have said, I definitely don't have to do it, so I'm not going to. <laughs> but one always kind of shows up every Monday. So I guess begrudgingly uh, we get one. But I think you're right with the way this offseason has gone with, you know, and this is true for, for any team out there, um, it, you're gonna, these depth charts are going to change a lot. Like, you don't know. I mean, we've seen with Virginia Tech had, I think, more than 20 guys out in their first three games. And it, it was the reporters in the press box who happened to be there who were saying, like, okay, well, I counted, like, I think these are the 20 that are not here. Um, so I think you're just going to have that. It's going to be messy um, if, if we were to get one on, on Monday. Uh, maybe you get the or at quarterback. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Adrian was, was listed number one. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of – I feel like those of us in the Nebraska circle, for for sure, have had all this time and, and probably have a pretty good idea of what we think those, at least the two deep, looks like. You know, it's funny. Speaking of quarterback, it can feel forced and fabricated when you're talking about quarterback controversy. It, it just can. You're just sort of like, oh, come on. That's just a made-up thing for the for the media to talk about and to be able to discuss. But... This is not one of those cases, Brandon, because the the team themselves, Scott Frost himself, is not doing anything to tamp any of that down. The the mere fact that they trot Luke McCaffrey out for press conferences tells you something, right? I mean, just that alone, because what happens during the week is a coach uh, like either Chenander or Frost, plus a handful of assistants, plus a couple players come and talk to the media. McCaffrey being one of those guys, out of the 170-some guys, you're going to trot him out there. I mean, doesn't that alone tell you that this really is a competition? Yeah, I think that pretty perfectly describes where I was at. I wasn't really even entertaining the idea coming into, well, you know, as recently as maybe two and a half, three weeks ago. I was like, yeah, I understand, like, Luke will get a look, and it, it, it'll be a legitimate competition for a while, but Adrian's experience edge is just so big that I would be surprised if uh, McCaffrey was able to overcome that in an offseason, such as this one in particular. But they've kept talking about it. <laughs> so I think uh, everyone – I mean, we've had way more quarterback coverage on Hale Varsity than I would have guessed uh, coming into what is this uh, kind of de facto fall camp. And it's because coaches keep talking about it and, and the players keep talking about it. You know, some guys uh, always mention Adrian, some guys always mention Luke. Uh, and a little bit of that is who they're asked about, too. You always have to factor that in. Um, but you're, you're right. Uh, the fact that, I mean, when's the last time you, you saw, quote unquote, the backup quarterback at a press conference, unless it was like a special circumstance, like it was senior day or, you know, somebody right. requested him for a special story. Like he was a, <laughs> an Iowa transfer. And of course you want to talk to the guy that was in Iowa. Um, so it, it definitely, uh, that was kind of the moment where it's like, well, maybe, maybe there is something here. Brendan Vogel's or- with us, managing editor, alevarsity.com and magazine, his book, dream like a champion with John cook. Now I, I think we're all on the same page with, uh, Luke's usage and uh, Adrian's 
ability to, to have a bounce back. And Mark and I were talking about this to round out hour one when it comes to preparedness. Uh, we both feel Nebraska is going to be more prepared in year three, and it'll look like it in in some contests. It, it may not because of who they're playing and that, that gap in talent and that gap of where the program's at. And let's go there for a, we have all week to, to get into Ohio State. But, Vogues, when you look at Nebraska and, and this offense here, as explosive as offenses have been, the first couple, three weeks of college football, you know, Nebraska lean on their run game, but specifically with the with the receiver side of things, do you think Nebraska's game plan could include more more tight end usage just because of of where things are at with, with the receiving group, i.e., you know, Omar Manning likely not to be part of things, at least for week one? Yeah, I think I think so. I think it it has to be. You know, they we know they feel pretty good about that tight end group. The depth is good there. Um, meanwhile, wide receiver, they tried to address that depth in this this last recruiting class, and you've had a, you know one departure so far from that group. And you, as you mentioned, you know Manning's status is certainly uh, up in the air at this moment. Um, hopefully, that works out for them, but. I think that all kind of lends itself pretty well to more tight end usage, particularly if Nebraska, I don't know if it's going to be hard for them to be as run heavy as they were last year, just from a percentage wise, which is, which still is a puzzle I haven't fully put together from, from last year. But I still think that, you know, we'll be Nebraska's best foot forward potentially is that running game, which of course, lead you to 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 play action and if you can get a good play action game working uh you're going to find tight ends pretty often so i I think you're right there's a lot of factors here that are all pointing to okay (laughs) the the off-season trend story of where's the tight end production uh probably won't be one in, in 2021 when we're reviewing this this past season are we sure Come on, that's been the pretty much since Harrion left. That's been the, that's been the discussion. Like tight ends are going to don't get forget McNeil. Year. Come on now, we got to give a little uh, Mike McNeil right. some credit. He came through. Yo, you're right. Nebraska's had a couple I'm, cups of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm 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 not sure. Um, <laughs> tight end is actually one of the. Oh, I think uh, I think it's the only position where Nebraska has not had an All Big Ten player for second or third team. Hmm. Interesting. It's got to change some options there. You know, one thing that you notice, I'm curious, you know, the, the official roster came out a couple weeks ago. Heights and weights are listed. How accurate are, are, are they? We don't entirely know. Um, but I couldn't help looking at it and looking at offensive line, looking at defensive line and just being like, man, and if you're, if you're after sheer size, and Frost had alluded to that from year since year one. Um, would you say mission accomplished at this point? Pretty close. I, certainly based on the roster, um, I, I'd like to see him play a game this season. But I think it's one. It's it's Duval and the weight program um, and their ability to kind of see what a kid is uh, as a, as a high school prospect and know what they can get him to be. 
Um, but also it's it, having a clear recruiting plan. Um, and you can look particularly on the offensive line and, and have a great sense of, <laughs> of what they're looking for. Um, so getting bigger in some key spots was, was one of their primary goals. And you're getting to a point now where, especially if some of these young guys come through on the offensive line um, and are, looks like they're going to have a chance to play this year, um, it's going to look more, I think, like what they want it to look like. So maybe 85% of the way there. Vogues, uh, what's your thoughts on the kind of the checks and balances here with this quarterback and then just the offensive game plan? And give me that workflow, how you see it shaking out and, and being better for Nebraska a lot of self-scout has been talked about, right? Now you bring in Lubick. You've got Greg Austin with the, the run game side of things. You've got Super Mario with the quarterback uh, tutoring. And then there's Frost with the play calling, and he's really, really good at that. You've got four uh, four cooks there that can really make a great meal. And I'm interested to, to see how, you know, as you go into this year, no bye weeks, just a rugged Big Ten schedule against some, some pretty physical defenses how they can assist one another for the best product on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it still starts with the, with the run game, which, which is kind of like the basic football position, I guess, the default position. But, you know, what I think they're, they're trying to get to here in Nebraska is kind of that, that vintage Frost OC at Oregon type where – you know, you had Royce Freeman, you had other guys that just, I mean, those were really strong running teams. And it was, they probably not, never got all of their due for, for being so physical in the run game because they were going fast and because they wore a new uniform every week. Um, it, it became, it became about that instead of, you know, they just, they went fast. They had a fairly basic complement of, of base runs and they just ran them really, really well. Um, I think that's where Nebraska is trying to get to. Um, you've got to be able to, to run the ball in the big 10 at some point. And, and that's, that was the, the strange thing about 2019. Um, Nebraska ran the ball really well uh, in 2018 by the end of the year, breaking in a new offensive line uh, didn't go quite so well last year. Um, but Nebraska kept running it. You know, it was a little bit of, of, of pounding sand there because it, it wasn't working all that well, but they stuck with it. And I think that you hope that that experience benefits them this year because you look at it now and, and they do seem pretty set up to, to get back into that top 25 rushing category, um, potentially, I think, with, with the offensive line they have, with, with Dedrick Mills, and then either quarterback option really um, are, I think, have the potential to be pretty dynamic runners. So really, everything kind of flows from there. Um, can you put up a bunch of points while running the ball that often? Um, I think that's where Nebraska wants to get to. All right, a week and uh, two and a half hours from now, Nebraska tees it up against Ohio State. Look, we know talent-wise, up and down the roster, what Ohio State is. They're all four-star, five-star, uber-talented. We know that. But what do we know about and vulnerable is a it's a relative term when you're talking about Ohio State. Where do they suck, Vogel? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is nowhere, obviously. But like, you know, where are they potentially 
vulnerable based on who's coming back or who they lost? Is it, I mean, defensive line, offensive line? Are they sort of, you know, um, they're, they're okay on the, uh, yeah, they're okay on the offensive line. Defensive <laughs> line, they, they've got, well, you know, they had, in my opinion, the best player in college football to replace from last year, which is young, but they'll be okay there. And I, and I do believe they, um, missing at least one of their graduated, one of their defensive tackles, maybe both. Um, so got some work to do there. I think the potential vulnerability here, and again, it's on an Ohio state scale. So, uh, but it's on, it's on defense. You know, they, they have seven starters overall to replace on that side. Uh, Carrie Coombs, who was a longtime Ohio state coach, went to the NFL for a year came back and is the defensive coordinator. Um, so he's certainly familiar. It's, it's not that they just plucked a guy off the street and everything's new. In fact, he said, I think this week, that they're planning to run pretty much the same base defense Ohio State did last year, uh, which is a one-high safety uh, look, which is, which is kind of hmm. interesting. But when you had three first-round cornerbacks uh, on your team last year, I mean, Ohio State was – dynamite defensively last year and as things tend to go because they were also scoring 48 points a game or whatever it was, it got lost. But I think there's, there's just most, there's more questions on that side. So two of those cornerbacks are gone. Sean Wade was the other one. He'll be back. You won't be able to miss them next week. Um, but, but that's it. Um, you know, Jeff Hasley, the, now the head coach at Boston college has, has the Eagles playing really well. Um, and, and really kind of, boiled down their defense last year that the players at the time, and even it's being talked about in this fall camp, talked about it being um, really a, a, a key part of that. So now this year they're just trying to say, okay, let's try and do the same thing because it worked pretty well. But you get the most turnover on that side. Um, running backs, a little bit interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously with J.K. Dobbins gone, they brought in Oklahoma transfer Trey Thurman. Um, who's, who's been pretty good at spurts and that one's tough. Like Ohio state's going to find somebody to be able to run the ball, but it's just, you're not pointing to it right now and saying, well, they have one of the two best running backs in the league. So I guess at least you don't have to deal with that if you're in Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. And it is all relative when you're talking about them and are you, how much stock are you going to put into that game? By the way, Brandon, are you looking at, are you looking at that game as, can you even evaluate Nebraska at, in that contest, like for this season, or are you more looking at it as, all right, where's Nebraska at as a program here? It's just, it's crazy to start the year with the, one of the best in America uh, in conference. I'm just saying Nebraska gets blown out by 40. Is that an indictment on the entire program, on just the season, on the pandemic? Like, how are you kind of waiting this thing? Um, I, I think you have to give it inverse weight to whatever you would get in any season opener. And I say inverse because, you know, normally, um, well, though not of late, but in the, in the halcyon days of six, seven years ago, you know, in Nebraska would open with uh, Western Kentucky or whatever. And you're like, okay, yeah, they're going to win 40 to seven. And yeah. we're going to say Taylor Martinez looked great. And, uh, but so you, it's usually the other way where you're always having to kind of like walk things back. You're like, oh man, uh, this, this redshirt freshman looked way better than I thought he would, but it was just the first game against an overmatched opponent. You're going to have to kind of walk things forward potentially if, if the game goes that way for Nebraska. 
I mean, for me, it, it, I try to keep it pretty much the same and, and focus like on not the score, not the result itself. How did they play? Like, did, did they play well? Um, were they just were they just beaten? Um, because if if that's the case against Ohio State, if they if you executed well for the most part, if you're not talking about three turnovers, um, giving Iowa or Ohio State 14 easy points, any of that stuff, um, that's kind of going to be my measuring stick for for this first one out. But it 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 is there's definitely some cognitive dissonance, dissonance there, and that we're used to. Translating this the other way, um, that now Nebraska opens as opens with uh, a, a game where it's the twenty-one point underdog. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, crazy twenty-one and a half points, Brandon. All right, appreciate your time this morning. Next Saturday is an actual game day, and look forward to talking to you then, man. All right, thanks a lot. All right, that's Brandon Vogel, um, Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. On the way next, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. To rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Hale Varsity Radio on a Saturday rolls on. Mark Cranach and uh, we got Damon in the house or Elijah. See, I'm in Omaha. I can't see physically. It's Damon here today. Damon, how you doing, man? Uh, Doing good. These uncertain times. I don't. I don't know. In these unprecedented times. Um. In these trying times, I'm, I'm not. I'm in Omaha. I can't see. I don't know who's. So it's good to have you, Damon. Um, no Elijah today, huh? Yeah, he's uh he's uh, decided to sleep today. So good for him. Huh. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, you know who does not sleep ever on Saturdays because he joins us. That would be the Iron Horse, Mr. Gary Sharp. Gary, good morning you know, to you. Good morning, guys. So this is the final weekend for all those honeydew lists and go to the apple orchard and the pumpkin patch and all that kind of stuff. Go to a wedding. Because after this, it's uh, it's football every week, fingers crossed, until uh, Christmas. Perfect, though, because, uh, look, 70-some degrees today, I think it is. Harbinger um, <laughs> of good things to come, I would think. Um, so we are a week out, Gary, and... Uh, if, if, if we're to just sort of rewind over the past several months, like the certainty of that has been in question uh, big time over the past several months. But here we are. It's Nebraska, Ohio State. It's a week from today. Is there a legitimate quarterback competition, Gary Sharp, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Expand on that if you would. Well, I, I think it's a legitimate quarterback competition. Because Scott Frost is not in the business of uh, sucking. Um, they want to win, and they, they know they have some weapons on this offense. But I think there's a couple of things going on here. One, we haven't had a quarterback competition in a while around here where you, you really thought it was a quarterback competition. I mean, you could say Martinez and Javier, but that, that was pretty evident that it was uh, going to be Adrian's job. I think in this situation, there are two things that are correct. One, Luke McCaffrey has made some great strides that he has upped his game physically. He's gotten a little bit older. His body has started to develop. I think he's caught up the physical skills with the mind. He's got great football IQ. But I also think Adrian Martinez has gotten better. It just, you know, when you hear all about Luke McCaffrey, you go, well, Martinez is coming back to the pack. Well, McCaffrey's gotten better, but I truly believe that Adrian has upped his game, and Adrian has to up his game. So I I think we'll hear something maybe on Monday um, about a decision. I think it's a legitimate quarterback competition. In the end, it's going to help this football team. 
And do you think we have a sort of, I'm going to harken back to Cordell Stewart days, but like, do we have a slash situation going on right now? Do you think that potentially happens with McCaffrey where he's getting more than a handful of snaps, not at quarterback, just to get him on the field, get him the ball, get him reps? Well, I think it's not a guarantee from every Saturday if he's not the starting quarterback. But you have somebody like him with his ability that I think you have to come up with some packages and some plays uh, to get him on the field. I mean, this, this year is about winning. Whatever gives you the best opportunity to win. But if you've got somebody that is, you know, can be a utility like McCaffrey, why not use him? But, again, I think we talked about this last week. If you're going to say that, you've got to commit to it. It can't just be lip service. It has to be, you know what, we've got a certain amount of plays. We've got Luke involved in, whether he is a decoy or not, and we're going to get him on the field and then follow through with that because we've seen when he's on the field in the limited time that we've seen him, you know, he, he, he can do good things for you. Ronald Tompkins, there is some talk that he has been in the competition behind uh, Dedrick Mills. By the way, are we going Dedrick or Dedrick? They are used interchangeably. Uh, you got one? I like Dedrick. <laughs> okay. I'll go with Dedrick, and then one of us will be right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the power of the collective on the show. Um, so you got, you got Tompkins behind Dedrick Mills, uh, potentially, as one of the guys. Is that – what does that say about – Ramir or any of the other backups is it does it speak more highly of Ronald or is it sort of an indictment on the folks behind because the guy has been had had some devastating injuries and and multiple surgeries well I think healthy first of all healthy in high school he's not at Nebraska he's playing somewhere in the south so I think healthy he's able to prove what his worth is and how talented he is so he can get into the mix to be the number two I think it's wide open behind Mills. I, I think there's a comfort level with Johnson because we've actually seen him play in games before that he played at the end of last year. Um, but you have some options. But we all know Mills is going to carry the football a lot. I mean, you don't call a kid a, a bell cow for nothing. I think he'll carry it a lot. I think there's probably behind him maybe 10 to 12 carries that will be dispersed among the other running backs. I think Mills is a 20-carry guy. I think you can rely on him this fall for 20 carries. But we all want to see Tompkins because Ryan held from the day that he set foot on campus, even with the uncertainty if he'd ever play college football, has been super high on him. But this is this whole discussion, these first two uh, position groups, Mark, that we talked about, Nebraska's in a good spot. They've got competition. They've got options. They've got guys that are pushing each other to get better. And at the end of the day, that's, that's truly what you want in this program. Um, and this year, you know, everybody gets kind of a – a looky see to, to, to battle, and especially behind running back, where I don't think Mills will be back next year. So, uh, run a, he's running for a paycheck. You know, it's kind of like an open tryout for the 21 starting quarterback, or the starting running back, I beg your pardon. Is there a position group, an area, offensively or defensively, as Nebraska goes against Ohio State next week? Is there a group that you think Nebraska will acquit themselves really well and compete? And is there a spot where you think Nebraska will get bludgeoned and exploited? If you were to pick some groups compared to Ohio State, where, what jumps out as far as where Nebraska's strength lies matchup-wise and where their weakness lies matchup-wise? Well, well, I'm very, I'm very uh, interested to see Nebraska's defensive backs against the array of skill talent that Ohio State has because you have a quarterback that's pretty smart at reading things. So you're going to have to be really good on the back end in terms of disguising coverages and making one-on-one plays. So, I think that's an area where Nebraska, I, I feel confident about. I'm really worried about the defensive line, though. I and mean, this is a Ohio State team that will run downhill on you. That's got two talented uh, running backs, 
and we don't know about that defensive line, and that's the first game is you have to face Ohio State. I'm really concerned about Ohio State putting up a big number on the ground. I, I think it's, you know, as we watch college football this year, one big thing stands out. And then, first of all, there's a national uh, uh, plague of anemic defense. I don't know that they'll happen in the Big Ten, but teams aren't able to get off the field on third down. And that's been a big problem for Nebraska defensively. So watch next Saturday and the, the rest of the year. Can Nebraska get better at getting off the field on third down? Because that's demoralizing. You get to third down, third and long, third and short, whatever, third and medium, and you're not able to get off the field. And all of a sudden, you've got to stay out there for three more plays, four more plays. And the next thing you know, it ends up in the end zone. So I'm worried about the defensive line. I'm really, really excited to see this defensive back group go up against Ohio State's wide receivers and their talented skill guys. You know, and, and when you're not, when you can't get off on third down, then, you know, you, you get kind of tired out. Teams can score touchdowns. It's kind of the conventional wisdom. But something has stuck out to me watching the press conferences um, for, the, for the players and coaches this year. Look, every offseason, every team, is, it was their best workout, and, and they're in the best condition of their lives, right? Like, that's every offseason, we always hear that. But one thing I've found interesting is more than a few players and the coaches have spoken specifically about conditioning and, and having the team essentially build up stamina to be able to go four quarters, right? Yep. Because, like, four, playing four quarters, that can be one of those – hollow rallying cries where everybody holds up the four fingers and now we're now now we're going to play it's another thing entirely to be physically conditioned to to be able to perform in that fourth quarter have you noticed that do you buy into that is has nebraska maybe emphasized that portion and that will give them a, a better chance as the year goes along and that's a good question mark and i i think there's next saturday it is either boom or bust. It's either going to be a really good performance by Nebraska and they're right in the game and they show up well, or it's going to get sideways. I, I, I don't have any in between for that game. And, I, and there's a lot of unknown about this team as I go through the course of the season, but I think this team is, this team, there's four or five wins to go get for this program this year. I think there are two things that I'm definitely assured of. One, something you just mentioned. This team is leaner and they look like a Big Ten team. There are guys that their bodies look really, really good. Kudos to Zach Duvall in that third cycle of their strength and conditioning program, and especially all the time they spent with him during the quarantine. I, this is a team that looks in great shape. And you're going to have to be in great shape because you're going to start a journey next Saturday where you're going to play nine games in nine weeks. There is no bye week. There is no time to take a Saturday off and get healthy. The other thing that I think is really, really important for this football program moving forward and these are some of the things that I'm hearing out of players and coaches in the last week and a half with all these Zoom press conferences, is the football IQ is better. Guys are going to communicate better. Guys are going to understand things pre-snap, post-snap, all of that kind of stuff. I think that's important for Nebraska because the first two years, I think there have been times where bad football IQ has really hurt this team in decision-making, whether it be offense or defense, and we've seen the result, nine wins in two years. They're going to be leaner. They're going to look better. They're going to look more like a Big Ten team. And I think the football IQ, whether you're wearing a headset or a helmet, will be much better in 2020. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, Nebraska-Ohio State, next Saturday in the season opener on the road. Um, all right, so let's look at the, the roster that just came out. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago. I think we talked last week about kind of the sheer size that's on that roster. Do you feel like Nebraska has 
arrived from that standpoint, just in terms of sheer frames on the roster, especially offensive and defensive line. Do you feel like Nebraska is finally at where it should be? Whether that translates to W's and sacks and all that's another question. But physically, do you feel like they're there? Yes. It's not a 335-pound nose tackle where there's a lot of flab. It's 335 pounds, and you go, where is all that at? So, yes, they are closer to looking like they should and fitting, you said this for a long time, Mark, fitting that blueprint at position groups on what kind of body they want to recruit. So I say, yes, they, they do have a familiar theme across the board, whether it be six foot five plus offensive linemen or defensive linemen that are in the 330 to, you know, the, the 335 range. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. And will that alone, in your opinion, give, give Nebraska a better chance? Or is that just one little detail? It's like, no, 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 no. You still got to – no, there's too many other factors. You got to have experience. Or, or do you think, as you look back at the Big Ten, has Nebraska's lack of size really cost them? Well, I think the lack of size you've seen in certain games when you play in the West Division and teams like to run downhill right at you, it's caused Nebraska some issues. Um, I think the inexperience is still going to be a problem early on in the season, but the size is a lot better. I mean, just look on the defensive line. Guys, I mean, we're talking about Keen Green and Riley and even go outside with Payne. Guys that can run that go from anywhere from 270 to 340 maybe, I mean, that's what you want as a nose tackle somebody in that 330, 335 range where you just can't move. And I think Nebraska has that. This is the thing with this team. That's why I say boomer bust. Nobody wants to open up with Ohio State, but it's a great challenge and a great opportunity for Nebraska. It's boomer bust because there is guys that are going to be putting their feet on the ground for the first time next Saturday, and all of a sudden they're playing a really, really good football team. But they'll look closer to a Big Ten team physically when they come on the field that you go, okay, it's not much of a mismatch. It doesn't it looks like one Big Ten team is playing another Big Ten team instead of one Big Ten team is playing a back school. Yeah, I just counted it up, Gary. Eight players on the roster that are listed. Uh, defensive linemen, by the way. Eight defensive linemen that are, that are listed at 300 or above. That's, <laughs> and there, and, you know? and there's, guys that, there's guys that can run. I mean, look at Ty Robinson's side. There's somebody that's not only a big guy, and then you look at him and go, where is all that weight? And then they run really well. So they're getting into the framework of exactly what they want bodies to look like in terms of speed, length, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, that's been a, that's been a three-year process that they're finally there. Now those guys just need to get on the field and play and get experience, and we'll get to see their athleticism um, you know, on display. When you're taking on Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin, those kind of programs that are farther along in their cycle of strength, conditioning, and recruiting, what their bodies want to look like and what their certain position groups have a distinct feel. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Okay, I think we know what we're going to get out of Mills. I think we generally know what we're going to get out of Adrian Martinez. Uh, I think we know what Wait we're going to get out of Wandale. Let, let me stop you there. Let, let me stop you there. Huh. What do you think you're going to get out of Adrian? And this isn't a negative question. I'm just, I'm just curious because this will probably be a discussion all week throughout the state is, what do we want out of the quarterback position, regardless of 2020? What, in your mind, what do you think you're getting out of Adrian in his third year after 21 starts? I think you are getting somebody who looks like he's being pushed, which means he has a pep to his step. I think he's going to physically look more similar to how he looked his freshman year. 
And then I think you're going to couple that with somebody that actually understands the offense and is going into year three. I think he's going to look like a very good quarterback. I think he's going to look like a plus. Whereas last year, I thought, you know, on the whole, you couldn't really call him a plus for the team. You couldn't really call him a minus. He just sort of played the position. He was pretty average collectively. I think this year he becomes a plus. I think he's he's an advantage for your team. I think that's fair. I think he looks more like the 2018 than the 2019. But mm-hmm. I also think there's an added element that still plagues him, and that is you know, some of the pre-snap and post-snap decisions. But throwing the deep ball, I have heard from multiple people that that is something he worked on. He's been really good in camp and completing the deep ball and not trying to force things when you're going deep. Now, it helps that Nebraska has a couple of options that they can stretch the field and go up and down the field instead of, sideways but adrian has been better in that aspect and if that's true then that's another nice element to him but at the end of the day adrian being healthy will change the discussion because he's not going to tip to tiptoe excuse me through holes he's going to be more decisive uh, which will be a big benefit because i think once he got dinged up before the season began last year and they got in his head about hey you got to keep yourself healthy and upright because we don't know what we have behind you i think that all played a factor i, I think they've they've cleared They've cleared the mechanism upstairs, and he's a new quarterback. And he has to be, because if he's not, guys, he isn't going to be the quarterback. And (laughs) I think once you battle that adversity and you're not the starting quarterback after two years as a starter, that's pretty tough to take, and you might not get your job back. You know, Gary, it's it's interesting you bring that up, because I I don't think it's a case where Martinez is, quote-unquote, like a head case or – look, it's difficult. What you're asking a true sophomore to do at, with the Heisman hype, with breaking in a new center, with maybe receivers that don't quite stretch the field, like going against an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Wisconsin-style defense, being injured, like he, it's difficult. <laughs> That's yeah. why I always cringe when people are like, you know, ready to throw somebody away. I'm like, do you understand like how much is going on in that dude's brain right now that he's trying to sort out and he's like 20 <laughs> and he's doing it in front of tens of thousands. Of, very difficult. So, but, but it sounds like you're saying you believe anyways, that he's sort of got all that clutter like cleared up and more ready to perform. Well, I think he can, he can just focus on being a football player. I think there was a lot of stuff on and off the field last year. You know, all of a sudden, he's a big man on campus. And if you're not ready for that, they can tell you your own head coach who went through it can prepare you for that. But if it's the first time going through it, I mean, it's difficult. We all know what it's like in this state. So I think he's, he's got a different mindset. I think he's a year older. But they need that position, whoever is playing, to just be consistent, to, to, to not be a hindrance. They don't need the position right now to be Superman. But what they need that position to do is add to the winning because you've won nine games in two years. Nine and 12 is the starting quarterback. You don't need to be Superman. Just help us out. Don't be a hindrance. And I think right now where Adrian is at, that is exactly what he needs. And you know what? You can wash away 2019 because everything lined up that was against Adrian Martinez, whether it be Andre Hunt is gone before the start of the season. That's going to be a deep threat. You didn't realize how much of an absence Morgan and Ozigbo would be. The snaps are going all over the place. You're hurt. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a bad 2019 for Adrian Martinez. Well, how do you fix that? You show up in 2020, you win your job, 
and you get better and you help this team win a football game or two and, and you know, have a successful season where then you come back next year and you've got some momentum going. And yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. Gary, great breakdown. Appreciate you next week, game week or game day. So we'll look uh, forward to talking to you then. Hey, thanks guys. I appreciate it, Gary. Damon, where are we at on time, man? If you're there, if you can even get to it, uh, we we have a we have a good few minutes before we need to get out of here. Just, okay, yeah, All just right. about uh, four four or five minutes. Where are you seeing? You know, I, I thought Gary kind of put it there. Look, it's it is difficult extremely difficult to manage all of those things that a quarterback has to manage like mentally physically like what is being asked of adrian martinez when people just dismiss it as oh he sucks Mm -hmm. he can't do it you're just sort of like would you stop it There, (laughs) there there is so much that the guy is trying to process and figure out it's like hey play aggressive but don't get hurt how does it how do you do that i and, and I can tell you as a, someone who has been 20 years old over the last couple of years, if you put me out there instead of Adrian, you know, d- physical talent aside, I mean, I don't know if I could have done much better. I mean, that's a that's a tough task to ask anybody. And yeah, he's he's dealt with injuries this whole time. I feel like he did get a little too much credit going into to last year, but he also mm-hmm. took too much flack, I would say. Yeah. Well, and how do you manage that when you are 19 or 20? And you just finish up your freshman year, and then you're being told you essentially have like four to one Heisman odds, or whatever his Heisman odds were. Maybe they were eight to one, but he was like a top three or four Heisman candidate coming into his sophomore year. And he's a, you know, he just went through his, his true freshman season. I, and this isn't to make excuses for him. All you know, the great ones figure it out. Like, sure, sure they do. Not everybody's a great one, though, right? <laughs> You're looking for a good one. You're looking for somebody that can figure it out, that can manage it. It seems like, though, he has the makeup. Like, he has a general maturity about him that he's going to be able to figure it out. Sort of tuck away what doesn't matter, bring to the fore what does matter, and then ultimately perform. Because physically, Damon, like, is there another quarterback in the country physically that's got a bunch of skills up on Adrian? Uh, you, you could make a case for a few, but I, I feel like watching him just just ball out on the field, it, it's impressive, and you don't really see guys like him a lot. I, I feel like he is kind of unique in what he brings to the table. Which really tells you a lot about whatever Luke is bringing right now. I mean, look, they don't trot out backup quarterbacks for press conference settings really under any circumstance <laughs> you know i think maybe an uh, an exception to that in the in the recent past has been noah vedrill when he has that had to actually play and he's a nebraska guy and he was a good spokesman of the, for the team but like luke has played four games at nebraska that's it he's a backup they're trotting him out there i i'm just uh, are you surprised that we're talking about that, I, that it's an actual, not controversy, but competition. I feel like late into last year, Luke was kind of Nebraska fans, darling quarterback. Like everybody, when things were going bad, they were calling for Luke to come out on the field. I'm not surprised at all the way that he's kind of proved himself over this camp and getting brought out to the press conferences. Th- that could be a bit of 
that's who people want to hear from. But it, you've heard the praises from all the coaches and the players talking about Luke. I, I really don't think this quarterback decision is decided at all. And we could actually see Luke starting on next Saturday. I would not be surprised if that was the case. You wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't expect it, but I, I would be like, okay, Luke's our guy. Like, I, I'd be ready to go. Hmm. Hmm. Now, I'll tell you what, just for whatever it's worth, physically, last year, the kid looked like a, he just looked like a scrappy high school kid, which he essentially was, right? Fresh out of high school. This year, he looks like a college player, like physically, like his whole, his whole everything. Um, he's maturing physically. There's no question about that. So what will that mean? <laughs> and he's been training, by the way, with his brother, Christian McCaffrey, who is notoriously one of the top workers in the NFL period. So will that pay off? Kind of seems like it could. Um, f- so for the game next week, we're going to be in the I believe we're going to be in the rail yard. Is that right, Damon? Do you have you got, you got those details? I, I think so. I think you're gonna you guys are gonna be over there at the uh, Hell Varsity offices, right? Yeah, and then um, and then the rail yard uh, letting people in. Do we know yet? Is is it a social dis? Like no one can come in or people can? Come, I don't know. How does that I, work? I'm not the guy to ask about that. I, I that's what I'm gonna tell you. I I don't know. I'm not privy to such information. I thought you were on the county health board. Well, that's that's only uh, on on Sundays. They don't they don't tell me that on the on the weekend meetings. Oh. Gotcha. Well, could you could you get on that? I mean, I'll I'll see what my people can can let you know. Okay. All right. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Chris will let you know over the week. Um, but if people can come around, it'd be great to see everybody. I have a couple hail ales. Where are we at on time? Uh, I'd say we're we're about ready to go. Okay. Maybe we should go. Damon, appreciate you, man. You bet. Thanks, sir. Yeah. That's the hill. That's the hill varsity uh, radio weekend edition. Talk to you again uh, next Saturday for game day.